recording. Man, there really is no good way to do it, is there? Just dive right in. Hello, everyone. Happy Monday. Oh, we're doing 14 minutes today. Ding. Happy Monday. Kind of. Um, once again, it's the final dribbling hours of Monday, but it's still Monday. Damn it. So uh, I'm counting this as a win. Two weeks in a row. Assuming this gets posted. Uh, how are you? Have you been working out? <sighs> Sorry. It's 9 p.m. and I'm having coffee. Uh, I wonder why I have insomnia from time to time. Also, um, if you're watching the visual version of this on YouTube, uh, by the way, uh, link to that in the show notes, I have a new shirt that I'm unreasonably proud of. Uh, that says Pawnee, Indiana on it, and looks like something that you would get in a truck stop gas station, uh, unless you know the... This is probably one of my new favorite shirts. Got one for myself and for my friends, Jessica, because she, too, watches some season of Parks and Recreation constantly, always, on a loop. I think I've eventually got to just face facts and realize that I need to do a Why You Should Watch Parks and Recreation it's one of those shows that, you know, if, if someone asks me what my favorite shows are, typically my response uh, is Star Trek The Next Generation. Shocking. Buffy the Vampire Slayer and uh, Avatar The Last Airbender. But, like, what show have I watched the most? What show is my big, comfy blankie that just wraps me up and lets me know the world is okay and there are good people in it and you can be happy and smile and go to sleep in go to sleep it's parks and recreation uh which i've not really talked a ton about i think that ron swanson made an appearance in one of my uh episode guides in a use of it that doesn't really hold up i don't think but that's probably me just being self-critical bizarre i know a new thing um, and the other one was in the Nerd Shipper video, the three fictional characters that I most resemble, because I very much have an Andy in me. Anyway, uh, before we get into the nitty gritty, I wanted to acknowledge the podcast got its first piece of fan mail. Uh, thank you, Janet. Janet heard my uh, Bob Euchre, don't worry, nobody's listening anyway, from a couple of episodes ago, and took the time to let me know someone is indeed listening. Uh, talk to me about fan fiction. I was going to read it, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I, I always feel weird about reading people's fan mail. I get very personal stuff on uh, uh, for through the YouTube channel, and I'm never sure if people... Uh, are comfortable with me reading their stuff online. Maybe the podcast is is a little bit different, or if it's super personal, I take the name out. I don't know. I've got to think about that. If you send me a piece of mail, maybe, let me know uh, if you're cool with me reading it uh, in the podcast. Saying, uh, too much. Come on, Ian. Uh, we're getting better with this instrument. And I said it again. <laughs> All right. So, report last week's goals. Respond to any dating messages. Send two new ones. Two hours at the gym, nerd chipper by the end of today, which was Monday when I released that, uh, bushwhacked by Friday, take the weekend off, might try and watch or play something new. 
So first of all, respond to any dating messages. I did. And done. Uh, it's still terrifying. I've been talking to Lonnie about it. For those of you who don't know, Lonnie is uh, my my friend who runs Chipperish and many a podcast. I've made some appearances on Still Pretty. Yes, Still Pretty, Still Dead. I, I, I don't always remember her naming scheme. And Lonnie, that's not criticism. That's just me with the uh, gold goldfish brain. Uh, anyway, the um, oh yeah, we're talking about dating. Jeez, brains are all right. A little more coffee. Sent a couple of messages. Had a couple of interesting conversations with Lonnie. Lonnie and I recorded a commentary for when Harry met Sally that I'm going to get up eventually, but. There are a lot of places where, you know, I, I'm someone who considers myself a work in progress, uh, which is easy. But but for someone like me, sort of accepting some of the things that uh, you're good at or some of the things you do well is a little bit more difficult. But anyway, you know, I, I, I have a personal kind of guiding ethos and, and generally believe that, you know, it's my ambition to be working on becoming a better man and uh, all of that. But there are certain ways where I discover, we'll say, lizard brain, uh, whether that's cultural or, or whatever it may be, lizard brain impulses that don't keep with my guiding ethos. Uh, and boy, does... Online dating and relationships and all of that sort of bring it up. First of all, online dating is not really conditioned well towards... It's I get that it's the best that we have, right? Maybe the best thing that we have that in a world where we're all sort of technologically isolated and spending more time on our phones and all of that, you need some medium for connecting uh, between certain people. It's kind of inevitable. But one of the things that was always kind of repulsive about Tinder is that it's, it's, or at least when I originally heard the concept, which Tinder's been out for a long time, but when I remember hearing about it for the first time, it was college students only, if I remember correctly. It's purely visually based, right? It's, it absolutely puts visuals as the first thing forward. And they, the certain websites have tried to do things to mitigate that uh, problem. I think OkCupid had videos for a little while, and, but the problem is people, just as people aren't photographers and they aren't writers, they may not be comfortable in front of a camera, but they're still good people. Do you know what I mean? It's such a weird, isolating problem where, you know... Online dating is advertising. It's it, you're you're creating an advertisement for yourself, and all of the uh, concerns and considerations that go into advertising relate to online dating. Whether it's it's photographic aesthetics, uh, the way something is written, the 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 care with which you answer a particular question. And most people aren't writers or photographers, or and but they're sort of stuck doing that same particular kind of thing. And I've I joked about it in uh, 
the three characters video just so this doesn't turn into an online dating profile. I love to laugh, which is on like the cliches. That's the other problem is when you're saturated by profiles and all of this, it's it's numbing and the repetitive cliches that people who aren't you know who aren't used to having to write this kind of thing just start to bleed through. Both, and Lonnie and I were talking about, both men and women ha- are, are often guilty of the sexy photo. There was a, a, a woman's profile had a picture. Never take a selfie in a bathroom. Anyone listening, please don't take a selfie in a bathroom. My very, the, when I first put an online dating profile up, my first photo was me in an overcoat with a scarf on in my bathroom mirror. Why? Why? Why was I stand? Why was I wearing my overcoat in my own apartment in the bathroom? Uh, but uh, this poor woman's profile it was her naked and framed in a way that looked like she was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> it was. Uh, I don't know why I'm going down this route. Uh, anyway, the I I I think that that exposure to the. The unfortunate things that online dating brings up and those sort of cliches and, and, and all of that kind of tend to make me grumpy and resigned or a little bit, uh, you know, like we talk about not, oh, I didn't, I meant to actually have uh, the website up as my background. Oopsie doopsie. They don't bring out the best in me. That's all I'll say. They don't bring out the best in me. And something to work on. I mean, it's one of those experiences. It's like, uh, it, it's, it's one of those DMV like experiences where it's the great equalizer. Everyone's lonely. Everyone wants, uh, to connect. Everyone wants, um, to be heard, to be seen, to be listened to. And everyone deserves that chance or they don't, but, uh, everyone at least deserves equal access to it, I suppose. And the mediums that we have to do it with just don't, often bring out our humanity and uh yeah anyway (laughs) sorry that was a bit of a rabbit hole and and i hate being negative like that but um oh that poor woman maybe i should so here's the thing if you have if you have a if you have a profile and you're taking a shot at a sexy photo so what's my sexy photo here i'll do it for the, the 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 camera let's see if i can no, that's, uh, I don't know what my sexy look is, but if you're trying to take a sexy photo, you know, b- b- people want to let people know that they take care of themselves, that they're fit, that they hike, that they do whatever. If you're taking a sexy photo and you happen to take one that looks like you're on the toilet, do you want someone to, 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 that you've never met to reach out to you and say, Hey, by the way, that maybe she, maybe I'm being judgmental. Maybe she meant to make it look like she was, man. All right. I got to get off that topic. Anyway, um, where were we? Send two messages, respond to new ones. That that was my (sighs) brief and unfortunate online dating, uh, diatribe two hours at the gym. I did not do that. So, uh, as the week kind of went on and I realized that, um, you know, that was just kind of an intimidating task. A couple of weeks ago, I stepped on a plug and split the ball of my foot open. I thought, um, 
all right, let's alter the task. Let's uh, make this a little bit more approachable. And I saw a video by Wheezy Waiter. By the way, um, just, uh, of course, to keep things equal, uh, in my conversation with Lonnie, she told me about many male sexy photos where it's just their body and their hand is down their pants. Guys, why? Why the hand down the pants? Nobody... No, no, no. That's not that's not your sexy. Okay? Trust me. Or maybe it is. There's always exceptions, isn't it? That's the tough thing about having a conversation uh online in any way is there's always going to be the 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 half percent or the 1% or whatever it is. What a, I don't know what women want. What the hell do I know? Maybe hand down the pants is a good thing. Maybe I need to change my profile up. Anyway, uh, I watched a Wheezy Waiter video. Wheezy Waiter is kind of old school internet. Uh, one of my inspirations, he's my age, same age range, same hairline, and his channel has been nothing but exper uh, creative experimentation and phases for a long time. And uh, he did a video on doing 10,000... He's, he's going through this uh, phase right now where he's trying doing monthly experiments, and that's what ends up on the channel. And I like it. He lives in Wisconsin. I'm from Illinois. Uh, talks a lot about how cold it is. Anyway, he's great. You should check him out. I'll put a link to the video that I'm talking about in the description. But I remembered 10,000 Steps a Day is very approachable, very easy. Uh, why don't we start there instead of, you know, all of the no exercise that I've been getting for months and then going to the gym. So uh, aiming for 5,000 steps a day right now, I did, I'm on a two-day run. And last week's goal was, to, what was that, on Monday, get Nerd Shipper up by the end of the day. That kind of got done. It got up by Wednesday. Still have not shaken this funk or figured out whatever it is. I think it's balance, which is really, oh, we hit 14 minutes. All right. It's going to be a long episode. Um, my theory is this is all about balance. And so that's kind of where I'm putting my focus right now is getting healthy, uh, you know, taking care of myself. I went and had, oh, this spot, by the way, if you're watching the visual version, I'm currently wearing a uh, Band-Aid on my forehead. When I turned 30, I had a spot on my neck, uh, biopsied and removed, and turned 40, and one appeared on my forehead, which I kind of noticed just because now I do video all the time and decided to get it taken care of. So uh, I had to get a biopsy for that done and so forth. But that's kind of the where the gist of my focus is right now is sort of like... You know, it's called the passion of the nerd. And and as much as I care about and love the work, I also need my life to be in balance. And I need my life to be filled up with kind of healthy and rich experiences. And I have such a half-track mind that it's very hard for me to keep more than one ball in the air at once. Um, I'm not taking a break from the channel by any means. But I'm also just not throttling myself over it as long as I'm doing other things in my life to breathe and lose weight. I'm getting close to what my heaviest once was. So it was like, okay, take care of this. Part of the reason that you may feel emotionally numb. That, that's another thing I've been going through is like the rut that I've been talking about in this podcast for the last month, uh, which feels so indulgent, but you know. Suffering is completely uh, relative to the individual, so 
Not going to beat myself up, I suppose. You know, the a lot of what uh, I've kind of been dealing with is, has been manifesting as depression. In but I don't feel depressed. Uh, one of the the symptoms of depression for me is just sort of a constant numbness, and and I I've I've felt kind of devoid of emotion, but just not. I don't know. I don't know what the hell's going on with me. Uh, but I'm working on it. I'm working on it, and uh, yeah. Just trying to do trying to do a little bit of work every day. Anyway, not sure where I was going with that. Oh yeah, yeah, balance and yada yada yada. Anyway, Nerd Shipper done by the end of today. That got done by Wednesday. Nerd Shipper is a very odd series for me. It's one of the um, one of the less trafficked, other than the toolbox fallacy, but probably one of the most important things that I'm doing at the moment. I've been using it medicinally, if that makes sense. Uh, so I initially, when I started, kind of kept an idea list for Nerd Chipper, where I was like, oh, I'll talk about art versus the artist or the death of the artist, or, you know, I have uh, some stories that I still want to share, um, anecdotes and all of this. And, you know, kind of dealing what I'm dealing with what at the moment I don't want to do any of those things. You know, my cat Harley died earlier in the year, and I, I really want to put something together about it. I still have her ashes, and I'm not an ashes kind of guy. You know, and she was my cat for 18 years, and just a lot of weird stuff that kind of came up around that. But, you know, uh, what I've been going through the past couple of months, it's like the last thing I want to do at the moment is open a vein. And that's kind of the thing, right? The passion of the nerd. My writing all comes from um, intimacy and vulnerability and all of that. And just feeling super numb. It's like I, I, I just haven't had access to it. So the past two nerd shipper uh, pieces have been about, well, what do I need to say? What do I, what do I need to write about what do I need to um, what do I need to hear in order to feel something in order to 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 what am I grappling with and then that sort of shaped the piece so I I've been wanting to write a end of the year piece the first uh, uh, the first year at doing full-time and I've been meaning to do that for a while and I think I I promised to do that on a live stream and so I wrote it, and it was dry and clinical and uh, not very compelling, and I was resisting sitting down and recording it and editing it. And I had that moment of just like, okay, so I'm feeling pretty numb. What do I, what, how, what do I, what's going to help me get through this? And of course, you know, uh, music. I, I I believe it wasn't just something that I wrote uh, as a cutesy thing. I believe that mu music is the heart's native language. You know, music bypasses that logical, analytical area. So I sat and listened to royalty-free tunes for like an hour or two and picked out those two, the two or three tunes that are in the video that had energy and and... Uh, I, I, you know, I sort of felt the internal engine revving, and then I cut around the music completely. 
which means I cut about three minutes out of that video because I wanted it to have pace. I wanted it to to have a rhythm and motion and an energy. I wanted people to feel something. I wanted me to feel something, if I'm honest. And when I was done, I published it. And then I, I must have watched... I, I don't watch my own stuff. You know, I might watch it once or twice with a friend. But I sat there and I watched that video four or five times and started to feel healthier and better. And for the day after it was published, you know, I felt calm. Uh, the anxiety, that constant uh, mosquito fly around my head went away for a couple of days. Um and I mean that's the that's the benefit of art. That's the benefit of creation, I guess, is 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 um catharsis, you know, sort of dealing with that. And one of the things Nerdshipper allows me to do that kind of ad hoc, uh uh not tied to any other creation. Uh but Bushwhacked is next. And um, you know, there's a lot of good philosophical stuff with Bushwhacked. I just need to get over the hump and, and, and sit down and get rolling with it. So middling success. But um, this process is about improving the batting average rather than perfection. Um, I did notice all last week uh, I consistently kept thinking about this podcast and talking to you and, you know kind of owning these goals. Um, and that is one of the purposes of this entire thing, the weekly signpost, sharing my own journey of trying to do better and the many, many, many times I will come up short along the way. But um, I keep having to remind myself that certain things are worth attempting however many times you fail. And failure is certainly relative. Um, health, wellness, love, art, relationships. Go and get the damn rock, Ian. Um, and I can tell that by talking to you guys about these things, balance relationships and all of that, it's already making a difference. Anyway, that's enough about goals for the week. Now the Ian Tries New Things part of the cast, which is also something I'm appreciating about this process. I watched three things I've never seen before, which for me is unheard of. Um, and good God, very necessary for anyone trying to do what I'm doing. You know, broadening your palate, trying new things, uh, the uh, taste involved, all of that. Anyway, first one was Brightburn. There is a link to the trailer in the show notes. Um, Brightburn is was a very interesting movie. I don't remember how I heard about it, but everyone I've talked to um, about it, and I've, I've spoken to many people about it since, uh, by the way, for those watching the, visu the visual version, words difficult, I'm going to turn off the clock there. And let me, background here is going to be the Brightburn trailer. There we are. Anyway, so uh, here's the idea of Brightburn. Um, Elizabeth Banks and David Denham, who was Roy from The Office, are farmers. Let me slow this way down because that's super distracting. Um, there we go. Farmers in Kansas trying to have a baby and can't when all of a sudden a meteor crashes uh, behind, behind the house. And they go to the meteor and find its ship with a baby inside of it. 
So it's all of the Superman tropes, but the idea is what would an angsty, grumpy teenager do when he realized he could do anything, uh, that he was uh, uh, as powerful as Superman? And so it's a horror movie. And I thought that was pretty fascinating. The, oh, sorry. Uh, visual version. Uh, there we go. Anyway, so the idea is this 13-year-old boy or uh, whatever the, uh, his age is uh, comes to understand what he's physically capable of and realizes he can do whatever he wants. And boy, is it a horror movie. Um, the movie is produced by James Gunn. Uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Obviously, I think we all know who James Gunn is by now. Reminded me a bit of Slither, uh, which was uh, an earlier James Gunn film with Nathan Fillion, a horror comedy. This is not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination, but the kind of superhero pedigree idea it's dealing with is was really interesting to me. More interesting than the movie was good, if I'm honest, but I did enjoy the movie quite a bit. It was written by Brian and Mark Gunn, which who I'm assuming uh, are brothers to James. So I, I've talked about how I'm I'm not the biggest horror guy, but the idea of um, a superhero horror movie was pretty compelling. The new Doctor Strange is supposed to be a scary... Um, the Doctor Strange for the new Marvel phase that's going to be coming up is supposed to be a scary uh, movie. And I find that really interesting. The To play with the superheroes in different genres, be it a romantic comedy or, um, you know, drama is pretty much in the wheelhouse. Action drama is in the wheelhouse, but horror is completely new. And boy, there's a lot of blood there. As you would expect from, uh, an invulnerable flying laser eye shooting, uh, alien from another planet. And it, so it was. It was good. Here's the pro. I watched it with Jack, by the way. Hi, Jack. And the. I wanted a Breaking Bad story. I mean, I'm always. Uh, I, I, you know, the movie is essentially from Elizabeth Shue's Elizabeth Shue. Please don't Elizabeth Banks. Sorry, I keep doing that. The movie is pr uh, primarily from Elizabeth Banks' perspective rather than the boys and. Because of that, it uses a cheat at some point to induce his turn. And that was way, way, way less interesting to me than it could have been. Um, I wanted, uh, weird that I would want the moral and philosophical journey of this kid re re wanting to do good, um, but succumbing to the dark side. But it was still an interesting movie. It's a it's a low budget horror movie, which you can tell because no one I know has actually uh, heard of it. And they did quite a bit with very little. The special effects, which they mostly do at night, uh, are pretty solid. Flying effects are pretty solid. But because of the the story structure, it's a pretty conventional slasher movie with. Boy, Superman, Superboy, as the Jason. Um, it's just very well made. If you're into horror, I think uh, maybe check it out. 
Oh boy. Yeah, that's no. Ah, sorry. I wanted to spare you that. Like I said, it's no, no, no. For those uh, listening, the trailer playing behind me just showed uh, Glass and and Eyeball. Like I said, it's a very horror horror movie. So if you're not into horror movies, don't bother. Um, But if you have the stomach for it and uh, enjoy a bit of the superhero genre, I thought it was fun on that basis. The other two new things that I watched, uh, we had movie night here at the house. Uh, my roommate, Nigel, and uh, has a, week- a bi-weekly tradition. And this time I hung out and watched two movies I had never seen before. And I had very similar reactions to both of them. The first... I'm switching the trailer up for the visual version. Is Starship Troopers. Yes, Starship Troopers, I had never seen. Definitely one of those uh, list of shame movies of mine. And for some reason, it seems like the movie is coming back um, and having a bit of a renaissance. Maybe it's because the 20-year anniversary was pretty recent. But um, it's just... it. Uh, so Starship Troopers is a Paul Verhoeven movie who directed RoboCop and eventually Showgirls. And one of those is a classic. The other one is not. And um, 1997, it's a hard R, very gory. I turned 18 in 1997, which might have been one of the reasons why I didn't see it. Uh, I was living in Colorado with my mom at the time. And definitely was not a movie in her wheelhouse. And so probably I just couldn't find the, uh, the proper company to go and see it. And it flopped in theaters. So the movie is 90210 meets Ender's Game meets Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Casper Van Dien plays the lead, Johnny something. I should have written that down. He's the world's least believable high school chin. Uh, He's in love with Denise Richards, Bugs Attack, Everyone Goes to War, Dr. Horrible is also in it. Love me some Neil Patrick Harris. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but the subtext, but generally the entire movie, which no one realized at the time, or maybe very few people did, is an indictment of fascism and the way fascism works. It's it's kind of a comedy. Um, I think it intends to be funny, but it's very... It walks a very fine line because the the 90210-ness of it is very front and center with Casper Van Dien and his uh, lusty feelings for uh, not Denise Richards. I already I already forgot her name. I'm so sorry. Yes, Denise Denise Richards is she's the reason he enrolls and signs up, but it's very shallow. Um, there's just no character here, and that's kind of part of the commentary. So once people start dying in the grisliest and ugliest ways and getting torn uh, to pieces. It's, I think it's intended to be a direct contrast to that shallow, you know, pop culture-y, pretty people kind of thing. The problem is that, okay, all well and good, and the thesis is great, um, but my way into anything is character. Uh, the main characters are desperately, deliberately hot and vapid, and that's juxtaposed as I... I've been keeping an outline. I'm I'm feeling better about the off the cuffnessness of this all. 
hot and vapid, that's juxtaposed against the horror comedy levels of gore, and that works together with RoboCop-like interstitials to show you how bad fascism is. But um, the characters are, are just kind of an element of the theme and nothing more. And for me, uh, with only a couple of exceptions, character is the most important element of anything that I'm watching. I need access to the story through my own sort of triggered empathy. And without that, the whole thing just kind of falls apart. Um, it just, it feels like an empty experience to me. The, the, amazingly, the visuals hold up. The bugs were, I mean, this is like just slightly post Jurassic Park. And so uh, CG in movies was this huge, you know, uh, big new thing. And to me, the bugs look still look great. What doesn't look good is the compositing, where they composite the live action elements against uh, the CG. But when it's just the bugs, uh, it looks really good. Um, the comedy levels of gore are... I wonder if that was intended at the time, or if Paul Verhoeven thought he was making this kind of gritty, grounded... Uh, war movie. It's saving. This is the same year as Saving Private Ryan, I think. 97 or 98. I think Saving Private Ryan was 98, and that kind of uh, changed the game about grittiness and war movies. Anyway, one thing I wonder is if Verhoeven was telling the actors what his intentions were this entire time, that, that or if they thought they were turning in Oscar-caliber performances... And he just kind of, in the back of his mind, knew that what he was shooting for with the uh, the 90210-ishness contrasting with everything else. Um, anyway, my uh, I enjoyed watching it. I'm happy it exists, and I never need to watch it again. That kind of, I, I think I knew I was going to react that way, too. It, it kind of it might have been one of the reasons why I was putting off watching it for years to begin with. And my reaction to that was very similar to the last new thing I watched this week. Oh, they give away Shunai's in the trailer. That's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't have thought that I was going to make a comparison between Starship Troopers and the Grand Budapest Hotel. But there it is. Uh, so... Grand Boo's Best Hotel, Wes Anderson movie starring Ray Fiennes, uh, in which Ray Fiennes, who runs a hotel, is framed for a murder of an heiress he didn't commit. Framed for a murder he didn't commit of an heiress? I don't know. He and his lobby boy, played by Tony Revolori, sorry, Tony, if I got that wrong, go on an adventure to clear his name. So, I've seen... I've not seen Wes Anderson's catalog. He's definitely not a director I seek out. But I have seen The Life Aquatic, The Royal Tenenbaums, and The Darjeeling Limited. And in each case, except for The Royal Tenenbaums, I had a similar problem with the movie as I did Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, simplistic characters. It's the the sort of visual style and the art um, before character. To me, the most interesting character in any Wes Anderson movie is Wes Anderson. So, um, I mean, Grand Budapest isn't supposed to be as, it's supposed to be kind of a, or at least my impression of it was it's a caper comedy style of film in the Wes Anderson style, but it's even more so than it's, there's, there's just no access to character, um, for me. 
Yeah, so the most interesting character in any Wes Anderson movie is Wes Anderson. But it's also the same character we've been getting to know for many movies. Uh, whip, pan, driven, deeply saturated colors, dry humor. I find it very alienating from the story. You know, just kind of visually, it's compelling. Uh, any shot in a Wes Anderson movie is sort of beautiful and taken in its own right. But that's just not really why I personal, personally watch movies. Now, the exception was The Royal Tenenbaums, an odd case where his alienating style of symmetrical shots and whip pans and all of that served the characters. The Tenenbaums have been keeping each other at bay for years. And so the the way that movie is shot, or rather the Wes Anderson style, is a, a replication of the character's inner life. They're feeling cold and isolated from each other. And so visually, that story lines up with the characters. But it needs a moment. It needs a human moment, and it has it. I'm not going to spoil anything for you. Um, the Royal Tenenbaums is terrific, uh, if you have any interest. But there's a scene in the end of the movie uh, in a tent with Luke Wilson and Gwyneth Paltrow. And all of the the cold, um, overly designed, overly constructed, the artifice, that Wes Anderson artifice that I know people love um, and I, I definitely respect, kind of breaks down under Gwyneth Paltrow's performance and the line that she says to Luke Wilson in that scene. And it tears me up every time and makes the journey of that movie worth it. You know, I there's there's movies I rewatch just for one scene uh, because the payoff is so dramatic. Her is another one of them, which is a movie I need to review hopefully before the end of the year. Um, that was going to be the end of November. Good Lord, am I behind? Anyway, yeah. I've never loved anyone the way I love you. Now we know how. So, yeah. Uh, Grand Budapest, Ray Fiennes is wonderful. I laughed several times. Found the experience mostly empty. I'm happy it exists. I have no desire to ever watch it again. Um, but I get why people do. I get why people love his stuff. And the one thing that's very nice, and, and I, I can't remember who I was talking to about this. Um, he's such an antidote to homogeny, you know, uh, which is weird because so many of his movies feel the same, but it, it, he has, it's clear that, that he has an intention, a goal with each film. And he's a director that's kind of just aiming for that intention and doing what he wants to do in the same way as, um, Oh geez, Pulp Fiction. Yay, the goldfish memory strikes again. Um, it's going to get me right before I get there. Is it? No, it's not. You're screaming at me right now, but I can't hear Quentin Tarantino. Um, in the same way that Quentin Tarantino just kind of, you know, says, here's what I want to do, here's what I want to make, and go goes and does it. I, you know, Wes Anderson does kind of the same thing. And I think that we need that artistically and culturally. And uh, I think it's one of the cool things about, I mean, or maybe we don't, maybe this is kind of, maybe, you know, if once everything is uh, our superhero movies and 
um, kind of all look sort of similar. I'm not throwing shade at superhero movies. If you watch the channel, you know how I feel about that. But we need those kinds of visual fringe um, artists pull pulling things in another direction. I don't know. Anyway, I was sort of out of my wheelhouse there, so... Acknowledgements. Oh, yes. Personal preference. I'm someone who needs character, needs uh, a character to provide me a window into the world, someone who triggers my empathy. That's really about it. It has nothing to do with demographics or anything like that. Um, I just want to relate. I want someone to have a relatable experience and a relatable reaction uh, in whatever story I'm watching. To me, that's way more important than plot. I would also... Oh, yes. <laughs> this is mostly just preference, but is also a reason why I sometimes can't get into certain popular movies, like Joker. Uh, and I would distinguish, too, between empathy, compassion, and pity. Those are not all the same. All right, so goals for the week. I'm traveling on Thursday. I will be back on Sunday. One of the four things I said I'd learned in the Nerdship video is to understand how things how long things actually take. And maybe I need to, well, I, I think that that understanding and realization changed the way that I interact with the people who follow and subscribe to me. Uh, I still sort of try and, and uh, whip myself constantly and set unreasonable goals. But then that also creates that conversation of, you know, just negative self-talk and crap. So I, I probably need to be more honest with myself how long things actually take. So strikes me as very unlikely that Bushwhacked uh, will get done this week. Look for that next. Uh, I'm putting the finishing touches on a commentary I recorded with Lonnie that uh, I'm hoping to have up for you tomorrow. And, you know, since we're talking about personal goals and all of that, on the personal front, I'm going to keep things light with uh, the travel. So I will respond to any messages. But by the way, so I, I think we got kind of far afield. If you think I should write that woman and say, no, I, I just think the answer is no. She doesn't want to hear from me. She doesn't want to hear from me uh, or my uh, uh, feelings and reactions to her sexy photo on the toilet. So I'm just going to, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to move on. And maybe, maybe think about, no, I'm not. I was going to make a hands down the pants uh, joke, but no one needs to hear that, Ian. The photo. It's a callback. <sighs> I'm screwing this up. Okay. Respond to any messages from the Cupid. Uh, 5,000 steps, morning walk every day. Goal is next week to add an afternoon walk to hit the 10,000 target. And I've been doing uh, intermittent fasting for the past few days, and uh, uh, goal is to keep that up until the trip and then pick it up again on Monday. And maybe more aggressively, Next Monday to have the podcast up earlier than after dinner. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to end with a um, fanfic reading here. Um, let me get settled here. I'm gonna change the background. Um, yeah. Buffy Summers grasped her sister by the shoulders. They were standing on top of a rickety tower, a portal opening ten feet away, a portal that needed blood to close. Dawn, listen to me, she said. Listen. Dawn looked up to, at her sister, her eyes wet with tears. I love you. I will always 
love you, but this is the work I have to do. Tell Giles, tell Giles I figured it out, and I'm okay. Dawn's tears flowed more freely. And give my love to my friends, Buffy said. You have to take care of them now. You have to take care of each other. You have to be strong. Lightning crackled between them as the portal grew larger. Dawn, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me. She stroked the side of Dawn's face, kissed her on the cheek, and turned. Buffy ran to the edge of the platform, leapt, and dove into the portal, closing it for good as her sister and friends, her family, watched. After a minute of stunned silence, Dawn slowly, carefully made her way down the tower to join her sister's friends. She reached the bottom of the stairs, her cheeks stained with tears, and refused to look at the pile of rubble and debris just below the tower, the pile where her sister's the pile where her sister was certain to lay broken and bloodied. She looked up to the confused faces of her sister's friends. They were all crying. Even Spike, Anya held aloft in Xander's arms, wiped the tears from her cheeks and shook her head. I, I, I don't understand, Anya said. She pointed to the debris pile. Where did she go? Dawn had asked the same thing m mere months ago when her mother died. She'd never given an adequate answer, but the general consensus was somewhere better. Stealing her nerve, she looked. She turned to look at the pile of debris. It was empty. "'Morning, Captain,' said Kaylee. She was standing in the kitchen of Serenity, making herself a breakfast of egg-flavored protein. "'Good morning,' said Malcolm Re Reynolds. "'How's my ship holding up?' Kaylee pointed to the ship's hull. "'Serenity's doing just fine, Captain. She's holding together.' Good to hear, said Mal. Wash, give us an ETA yet? Not to me, said Kaylee with a sigh as she stirred her faux eggs. I'm just a lowly mechanic. Mal smiled at her and patted her on the shoulder on his way to the bridge. Ain't nothing lowly about a mechanic, except maybe when you're on the floor fixing things. Hey, are we picking up any passengers on Persephone? More than likely, said Mal. I like it when we pick up passengers, Kaylee said. Yep, yeah, me too, said Mal. He glanced at the hallway where he saw Simon entering the kitchen. Always works out so well. Mal left the kitchen and jogged past the crew quarters and up to the bridge. Wash greeted him when he arrived. Morning, Mal. We're on course and due to set down in about an hour. Mal stood over Wash's shoulder, nodding for a minute, his arms crossed. Okay, Mal said eventually. Glad I got my captain out of the way for now. I'll be in the hold doing a last check on the cargo. Sure thing, said Wash. Oh, if you see Zoe... Yeah? Wash paused and shook his head. Nah, nothing. Thanks. You sure? Mal asked, pointing by the way he came. Things were often tense between Zoe and Wash, largely, Mal knew, because of his own relationship with her. While he wasn't inclined to take blame for a friendship that had developed something and become solid throughout the War of Independence, he wasn't opposed to, on occasion, helping smooth the rocky road of a marriage a little. I'm heading out there. She's bound to be around here somewhere. That's okay, thanks. Just, I'd like to talk if she's got a second. Okay, Mal said with a shrug. He whistled his way back down the hallway and down the level to the cargo hold. Mal got caught up in rechecking the goods and securing all the crates that he didn't look up for another half hour when a gruff voice interrupted his thoughts. Mal, why we gotta take on more passengers? Mal looked up and saw Jane, his, well, his mercenary, standing on the catwalk, looking angry. Passengers pay the bills, Mal said, turning to the cargo. Sides, new people make life interesting. I said, when do you make, 
Since when do you want an interesting life? Jane asked. Mal shrugged and looked up at Jane again. I woke up in a good mood. You got Badger's new address? Yeah, little scum sucker point... point. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, yeah, little su scum sucker point ponied it up finally. He was worried about us tarnishing his new image or something like that. Doesn't realize he ain't nothing but a two-bit fence. The man certainly has an inflated estimation of his personal prestige, said Mal. <coughs> Thinks he's all fanciful, too. That he does, Mal said, inspecting his work. That he does. We're planet side soon. Make sure you got everything ready. Zoe's got paperwork, and I've got my gun. Then we're all set. This is from From Here to Serenity by Bastard Snow. A, a small selected reading. There's a link to it in the description uh, or in the show notes. Buffy's fall through Glory's portal took her somewhere nobody ever imagined. Now it's up to Willow and Xander to get her back. I think you can get a feeling from uh, uh, the reading where it's going. And I don't want to steal the clicks uh, and the links away from this author. Anyway, that's it. Uh, have a great weekend, or rather a great week, everyone. I appreciate you. Um, if you're listening to this and enjoying it, that makes me happy. Um, you know, keep the rock moving, but, uh, don't be too hard on yourself. It's just life. <laughs>